hello and welcome to show some respect. Tom Whitcomb is talking. Can you guys hear me? My, my, my earphones are all... No, I'm, I'm coming through. I'm coming through. I can see the levels. I'm a professional. I've done this 12 times. You might have noticed, usually I start, I say, welcome to episode number, but who can even keep track these days? It's not even, it's not even about that anymore. What's the point of counting? This is going on forever. Or at least 12 months. That's the promise I made myself. 50 episodes. I'm going to make 50 episodes of this podcast without a doubt. You know, almost as many episodes as I have listeners. Almost. Almost. Oh, sorry, other way around. Almost as many listeners as I have episodes. Um, I'm going to have to recruit. If each of you bring a friend into this podcast, uh, by the time I get to 50 episodes, we will have roughly one per listener. I can ded- I can retroactively dedicate one of them to each of you. I'm going to auction off every single one of my episodes as NFTs. And you can, you no, not even auction, I'm just going to hand them out. You can have one each. You can each help yourself to a little piece of non-history. Guys, it's been a it's been a hectic week. It's been a hectic week across the world and and I know why you guys tune into this podcast. I know you're here for the hot takes, for the social commentary, for the political discussion. And look, I'm I'm not afraid to go there because somebody has to. Roe v. Wade. Looks like it's going to get overturned. Now, I don't know about you guys. Are you are you guys Roe fans or Wade fans? I've it's hard to tell these days, you know, who are the, who are the, who are the big row heads and who are the Wade lovers? It's, it used to be so simple. It used to be so evident. And I've always been more of a row guy, personally. You got to be careful there. You got to be really careful when you're, when you're proclaiming that because uh, if I, if I, I have no idea who was who. I don't really understand the case at all, to be honest. I just know um, abortions are involved. And from a comedic perspective, whenever they come up as part of the zeitgeist, I need to have my ears to the ground uh, because that's a red-hot shot for some material. That's how I learned about Roe v. Wade potentially being overturned, by the way, was a comedian uh, posting a bit that they did uh, onto a uh, TikTok that they filmed with a camera, which I love that. I love that in comedy, by the way. As soon as something happens, it's like, okay, I need to set up a tripod and I need to get in front of a crowd. I need to turn this into content immediately. And he did. It was good stuff. But yeah, Roe v. Wade, huh? I, I've, I've got uh, very uh, little to, uh, to, to say about it. Uh, but the little I will say is going to be very opinionated. They need to get rid of it now. The fact it's taken this long is unbelievable. No, I don't. You know, this is this is the constant debate. As someone who has a podcast with literally tens of listeners, I know you guys want to hear me talk about the big issues. Unfortunately, I'm not informed on any of them, and nor do I have any real want to be. So I'm I'm faced with a very tough dilemma. Do I? educate myself on the big issues so that I can talk about them with an informed perspective, balanced, well understood, researched, coming with you with the facts, or do I just uh, say whatever I want and let you guys work it out? And so far, that's where I've been leaning towards. And uh, look, it seems to have paid dividends. 
Uh, go Wade. Go Wade. Come on. You can do this, baby. I wonder which is which. I will find out which is which. All right, here we go. Wiki. <laughs> I love how... Do you remember there was a time when people like to... Be careful with Wikipedia. It is not a trustworthy source, all right? Make sure, you, make sure you're very, very... And now we're like, Wikipedia is the height of truth. Uh, I'm not going to CNN. I'm going to see what some uh, losers on the internet with enough free time to contribute to an online article might have to say about this. Um, maybe we can bring back... What was the encyclopedia? Britannica? Remember Britannica? Remember all those fucking CD-ROMs? That was a while ago. All right, Jane Roe versus Henry Wade. Okay, based on that, I'm going to say that Jane Roe was probably the pro-abortion one. Would be my guess. Would be my presumption. If not, Henry Wade is a feminist icon that does not get enough credit. Let's have a look. Oh, Jane Roe was a pseudonym. It's like uh, like uh, John Doe. John Doe. Yep, okay. Jane Doe. Jane Roe, who in then became pregnant with her child. McCorvey wanted an abortion. Oh, we know her name now. Norma McCorvey. We've stopped protecting her anonymity. Okay, well. Uh, the former Mrs. Roe, now Norma McCorvey. Um... Filed a lawsuit on behalf of in U.S. federal court against a local district attorney, Henry Wade. There you go. All right. Well, again, I'm not going to make a call. I probably I should have stayed blind to that. Now I uh, now I have some. Uh, now I have a, a, a little bit of responsibility in this matter, which I'm not a huge fan of. How are you doing? How is that? There we go. That was five minutes on Roe v. Wade. All of it pretty much in, unintelligible. Um, <laughs> like most of the pro-choice arguments I hear, am I right? <laughs> I meant to say pro-life. I meant to. I meant to take the more liberal option, but uh, you know, sometimes the truth just comes out. It's Thursday, the fifth of May, and I don't have to tell you guys what that means. That means tonight is the opening night, and also the penultimate night of my Sydney comedy festival show. That's why. Uh, I might be coming across a little bit more rambling than usual. I am dramatically underprepared because, look, I get it. You guys are fans of mine, big-time fans. And you're probably thinking, well, he's going to go out and knock this out of the park. This is going to be an absolute walk in the park. And then a third analogy using the word park. Uh, he's going to park the bus on this one and uh, and, and bring out a rousing performance. And, uh, you know... I'll be honest, I agree with you. That's probably what's going to happen. But that doesn't mean I'm not fucking bricking it right now. I can't tell you how anxious I've been all day today. This is, I, I, I truly, this is, this is the dilemma of a comedian, which is when you're performing to strangers, it is incredibly, once you get past the initial fear of it not going, of it not going well. Once you've once you've had enough experiences of it not going well and realized that the sun still comes up the next day and everything's fine, it's 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 totally low stakes. Performing to strangers because it's like, oh, if they love me, great. If they hate me, who gives a fuck? I'm never going to see these losers ever again. At the end of the day, they're at a comedy night on a Tuesday, seeing a whole bunch of semi professionals because they can't afford to see Peter Hellier this weekend. Why would I care what they think? And then when they love me, they're like, well, they have great taste. Of course they love me. They're comedy connoisseurs. They're out on a Tuesday night seeking out grassroots comedy instead of going to see Peter Hellier. These are my people. And it's a great position to be in. It's very, very comfortable. But every now and then, 
you invite your friends and family. And fuck me, does that get nerve-wracking? Because if it goes terribly, I'm going to have to confront that at some stage. I can't just pretend tonight never happened. It's going to happen. My friends and family have spent money. They've spent dollars. And, like, now that the shows are over, I can say this openly. 9.30 on a Thursday, there's no fucking way I'm going to that. You know, if I'm one of my friends and you're trying to lure me out, where the end time, the start time is after my bedtime. If I'm not in pyjamas, teeth brushed by 9.30, I'm ruined for the next day. The next day is a write-off. There is no way I would be attending my own show tonight, no matter how excellent I know deep down it's going to be. Um, and if it goes badly, I've just... I mean, some of my friends are parents now. What happens if their kids don't wake up tomorrow and I'm the reason that they didn't get to say goodnight to them and read them one last story? Was that unnecessarily dark? Probably. But, uh, you know, you guys are fans of the pod. That's what I'm all about. That's, uh, that's the whole point. I do think... I mean, I was, I've had a few little anxious moments about comedy recently. I mean, the level of obsession I have for this thing now, I routinely dream about comedy. Like, more often than not, if I'm dreaming, comedy is involved somehow. Either it's about posting videos or selling tickets or being on stage or forgetting my lines, whatever it is. This is... I'm I'm so overly concerned with it. It causes me so much emotional stress. It can't be worth it. I'm in that kind of sunk cost state of mind now where I've just spent so much time and effort on this thing. I can't just stop. That wouldn't make any sense. I need to convince myself this is worthwhile. And every now and then I get just a little thing. It's like, hey, you know, Tom, you know what you could do tonight? Nothing. Do you know? You know, instead of spending hundreds of dollars and a lot of anguish trying to sell tickets to this thing and force people to come and, and, and only to then go and be judged by them. You could have just stayed home and kept watching Better Call Saul. We're up to almost the end of season five. We're, we're, we're almost up to current day. You've got, you're playing, hey, let's keep watching Drive to Survive tonight. Let's not go and just belittle female athletes for 45 minutes of an hour. Let's not do that. Let's, let's just stay at home and let's just make our way through your Netflix list. There's a lot of stuff on there. And, and while you're at it, let's remove all of those comedy specials that are on your Netflix list that you don't want to watch, that you have no interest in watching, but feel that you should for research purposes to hone your craft. Let's not do that. Hey, how about we don't give ourselves essentially two jobs? How about we do what most people do and just work one job? And then at 5.30, don't think about it and drink yourself into a coma and wake up and greet the next day and deal with it then. Wouldn't that be great? But no. Here I am, having dreams like a fucking idiot. What What do we... And look, maybe... maybe Look, you know, this is, this is why you chase your dreams. For the one in a million chance that you reach them. You know, for the, for the, for the very, very, very unlikely scenario in which... I can make this a career and I don't have to do anything that I don't really want to do. I mean, that's not true either, is it? I'm not going to want to... There's no way I'm going to want to record a podcast every time I sit down and record a podcast. There's going to be days where I'm like, I don't want to do this. 
But uh, this is what people say about this as well. Like when you become like a small business, essentially, you don't have no bosses. If I become a comedian, I don't have certainly no bosses. I have hopefully thousands of bosses. That's what I'm working towards. Can you tell I'm not in the most positive mindset right now? It's so, and, and this is the thing, like yet last night, Wednesday night, um, I went out and I did some sets last night just trying to keep keep fresh, keep, you know, keep the momentum up, keep ready, used to being on stage. And I went out, I was like, oh, I ate a very, very, uh, very buttery pasta beforehand, which is not good for energy levels. You know, I ate, I ate a sausage pasta and some dark chocolate and then went out to do stand-up like a serial killer. What, what are you, what, are, what am I, carb loading? My carb loading for my 14 minutes on stage, unbelievable. And I went out heavy, heavy with a, with a heavy stomach and a heavier conscience uh, about what I was about to do. I, 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 did not, I did not want to be there. And I went uh, to my first show and uh, there's, this, there's this gig that's in Sydney that everyone's raving about. Everyone's going on about how good it is. It's just a crush fest. Everyone does so well. Best crowds. It's always packed. Such a good gig. Such a good gig. Uh, and I've done it a few times. And it's never gone great for me. Um, they don't tend to like the things that I'm bringing to the table. They're not, they're not huge on the perspectives that I espouse. Uh, because it's in the heart of the inner west and uh, how would I describe the crowd? Quite young, um, quite intelligent, a lot of university degrees, none of them useful. Does that does that resonate? You know, a lot of a lot of tertiary education, predominantly in the fields of literature and gender studies. That kind of crowd is the vibe that I get. And when I go up there and make the the very fair point that attending women's sport is an act of charity and hence my ticket to the AFLW should be tax deductible. Uh, the 75% female audience doesn't seem to really appreciate that. Now, who's to say who's to blame? Is it, is it them for having a very narrow-minded opinion about women's sport and not being open to my uh, vindictive criticism of it? Or is it me uh, for failing to recognise the state of these crowds and adapt adapt appropriately. Who is to say? I don't think uh, we, we could argue back and forth on that all day and we'd never really know. And to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm bigging up myself with bravado. That's not what I do. You know what I actually do is I go and I try and find my most tepid, least offensive material and either... Because I don't, because it is tepid, it just doesn't land. Or this crowd can tell that I resent having to tell these jokes to them. I have to, I know I'm, I know this is a rambly podcast. I have to do that. I was into a podcast with a different comedian recently, um, a successful one. And I would suggest you guys listen to it. You guys should check it out. If you like this, you should check out the podcasts by, uh, you know, people with talent and followings. But... I digress. He was talking about how the worst part, the thing he hates most about on stage is the beginning, the start when you go out there and you've got to like win the crowd over. And I felt so seen by that because I can't just get up there 
and just launch straight into a diatribe about the gender pay gap. People don't appreciate that. So I have to spend the first like five minutes tiptoeing around telling people, you know, false truths about my relationship so they feel like they understand me as a human being. Just so I can, I can lure them in just long enough that then I can spend five minutes talking about sweatshops. And somewhere amongst those five minutes, they kind of go, wait a minute. I feel we've been misled. Anyway, so I did that gig and then I went to another gig um, and I went there and that went okay. That was kind of it was a bit of hard work, but it ended up going pretty well. And I did. I, I woke up going, all right, that felt pretty great. Like there's, there's certainly... I've, I've heard um, when people talk about advice to give kids or teenagers or students, whatever, people trying to find their way in life, they say, do, do whatever it is that makes you feel the most alive. And there is no doubt in my mind that stand-up makes me feel very alive. But you don't always want to feel alive. Sometimes you want to feel barely living. Right now, if I could just crawl into a cocoon of blankets and just hit play on Stan, and just work my way all the way through to the most recent episode of Better Call Saul, and then just let it play on into the first season of Breaking Bad, and just keep going through that loop until eventually someone asks where I've been the last three weeks. That feel that sounds pretty good right now. Every time, every time. This is, this, is, this is the feeling that I'm trying to get across to you guys of what it's like, especially being like a semi-professional comedian. Like I, I didn't get paid. What was the last gig I got paid for? I've been paid for a gig for like two weeks, which is fine. I'm not complaining about that, but it's like, it's not like you're putting yourself on the line because it's your profession. You, I, I'm, I'm spending like three to four nights a week just like, Basically doing, basically doing a uh, a TAFE course is essentially what I'm doing. For the most part, I'm paying for the privilege to learn how to do this thing so that one day someone might pay me for it. In an industry, well, let's be honest, there are a million applicants and like 12 jobs. Welcome to the Tom Complains About the Choices of His Life podcast as if this wasn't all decided by me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for helping me follow my dream uh, while I then continue to shit on it. Oh, you guys know that. You guys know the thing. You guys know how it is. You guys have hopes and dreams, and, you know, the only difference between you and I is I'm following them. But for those of you that have them, you know it's, it's bittersweet. It is, because I remember days where I didn't have this, when I was just working a nine-to-five job, and fuck, shoot me. Just wake up every day and be like, why am I doing this again? You know how work becomes so habitual you forget the fact they're paying you for it? It's, uh, it's, it's, such, a, it's such a millennial malaise to just forget the fact that, you, you know, why? sometimes I'm at work and I'm just like, why am I even doing this? What is the point? The point is you need to eat. And if you weren't here, you wouldn't. Does that, is that, oh, sometimes I go traveling and I just think, why can't I just do this all the time? Because traveling provides nothing to nobody. All right? You can't just you can't just skimp. You can't just live on everybody else's dime for the rest of your life, okay? And so to have something where you're like, "All right, 
I'm, 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 I'm working. I'm working during the day. I'm earning my keep. I'm paying for my house and my food and my dog that I bought without realizing what a financial commitment that is. And then in the nights, I'm going to, this is what I should be thinking. I'm going to just try and just, just get better at this thing that I love. This is the way that some people go home at night and they play guitar or they write a blog or they cook or they bake because they just like getting better at it. Except the people that go home and bake a brownie don't spend the whole time going, oh, I hope people, I hope people share the photo of my brownie. Maybe if I, if I make a really good photo of my brownie, people on the internet will buy it. I mean, some people probably think that. But, hey, is this, is this going for... Okay. Guys, I, let me come to you, my dear listeners, hat in hand, and let you know, I'm very aware the last few weeks, I've been bringing very little material to the table. I've just kind of used this as a, as a confessional. And I'll be honest, you know, some of the reason that I started this podcast was I just wanted to get, I just wanted to get better at this. I just want to get better at rambling, just talking, just keeping the ball in the air. And I've gotten better at that. But there does come a point where you go, what, what am I doing? Who is this for? And I want you to know, okay, when this comedy festival show is done, I'm, I'm going to spend some time trying to, trying to, trying to do more with this podcast, right? There's going to be more in it. It's not just going to be this like massive monologue. My girlfriend listened to an episode for the first time. Um, and she was like, it just kind of like, it's just kind of you talking. And I'm like, yes, that's very good. You picked up on that. And she's like, yeah, but there's, it's just, it's just you talking. There's no segments. There's no, there's, there's no like, sound effects or, or music, there's no, there's no real point. And I'm like, that is, those are all very, very fair comments. Um, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to play with this. I'm going to, I'm going to try and make something even better. And as I do, you guys that are listening to this now, especially uh, this has been going for 22 minutes. If you're still listening, you're a real fan. You, you, you are someone whose opinion does truly matter to me because obviously there's something about what I do that you seem to resonate with. And maybe it's the fact that we've known each other for like 12 years. That could be part of it. But it could be other things too. Let me know. As I try to play with this, maybe I'll try putting some games or some segments or some stuff. I don't know. Who's to say what it could be? Let me know. The stuff you like, stuff you don't like, just, just shout out. Just let us know. Uh, anyway. I just got back. I was in Melbourne over the weekend. I was there for a friend's wedding. Uh, this is what you guys probably were waiting for. The big reveal. Did the bride show up? Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, the wedding went ahead without a hitch, which, as we all know from a spectator's point of view, is the worst kind of wedding. A kind of wedding where there are no complications, where everyone plays their role, no arguments, no one doesn't show up, no one gets drunk and throws up all over the place. It was just a, it was just a wedding. Boring, very dull. I mean, lovely and ceremonial and happy and blah, 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 blah. But no drama. Not in the least. I mean, you know, a few raindrops during the ceremony, and that's, that's, as, that's as exciting as the whole thing got. That's as close as it got to collapsing. But very happy for my, my dear friends who are now, uh, you know, have, have nothing left to look forward to in their lives. From now on, uh, I mean, you know, Children, if that's your thing. Uh, I mean, if fucking Roe v. Wade get their way, am I right? Call back. 
But they embark. They're on their honeymoon right now, which looks lovely. Uh, and, uh, you know, as you would have remembered from last week, I was the MC for that wedding. And uh, got to say, I was fucking on. Oh, boy, was I on. Boy, did I really steal the show. I mean, I, if I was the bride... I'd be a little bit self-conscious, you know, because she had everything going for her. She was the one in the fancy dress. She was the one that got the big entrance. And yet, if you ask me, I think the eyes were on the MC. Now, I uh, I wrote a lot of jokes for the for the wedding. I spent a lot of time on that, and uh, you know, delivered them as a pro, like a, as a semi-pro, the way that I I technically am. Um, crowd, a little bit off. I got to say, I did my job. The crowd could have could have done better, if you'd ask me. Like I I don't think. They quite lived up to their end of the bargain. There I was, uh, throwing throwing out just constant semi-professional level gags, um, and uh, they 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 left a lot of them on the floor, uh, which was disappointing from them. So, you know, dumb crowd. Dumb. I mean, I couldn't say it at the time, but dumb crowd. You know, not not the brightest bunch. Um, and but you know, as an entertainer. That's 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 the the hand you dealt sometimes, <coughs> uh, and you look you know, I'm not getting angry about it. Was I too, was I too offensive towards the bridesmaids and the maid of honor? I didn't think so. And at the end of the day, who knows comedy, me or them? Apparently, the uh, father of the bride did uh, cause a little bit of a stink. The uh, night before, and um, I was really hoping that was going to kick into the wedding. It didn't, unfortunately. Uh, it, everything, everything went smooth. Everything went very fine. But I will say this: um, me, so because this was in Melbourne, this this was a wedding for a guy that I met when I was on exchange in America, and we've become we've kept very very close. He'll come to Sydney sometimes. I go to Melbourne sometimes. We always catch up. <clears throat> but as a result. Like there was only one other person from our exchange then. He lives in Melbourne and he he's kind of part of his the the groom's circle of friends. I knew almost nobody. There would have been like a hundred and twenty people, hundred and fifty people at this wedding. And uh, I personally knew I think like six of them and almost all of them were in the bridal party. So they're off doing bridal party things. It was one of those weddings with, like, the bridal party table as well. You know that table at the front? We're like, hey, um, we're so uh, glad to have all of you here to celebrate this wedding, but we're particularly glad for these eight people that are all dressed differently to the rest of you fucking plebs, okay? Yeah, very, very happy that all of you could be here, but mostly just happy that these people could be here. We're the stars of the show, okay? This is... This is where you wish you were. If you if you guys had been a little bit nicer to me over the last 10 years, this could have been you up here. This could have been you with the free dress and the slightly better table dressings. But you could have had your own little bouquet of flower arrangement in front of you. But no, you've got to share it on a long table with 30 other people. Have a think about what you did. All right, if you, you could have been one of the stars. Not these stars. That's me and my new wife. Uh, but these guys, great supporting cast. You guys, extras. Extras, non-speaking roles, every single one of you. But point being, I knew some people at the bridal party. They were predisposed. They had no time for me. Which meant uh, my partner, Beatty and I were just, just standing there 
for most of the day. Just kind of like, it was just basically like the two of us catching up. Like we, 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 we flew to Melbourne together, we spent three nights there and even at a wedding, it was just the two of us the entire time. We, we didn't, we made no friends. And, you know, sure, did we do anything to try and make any friends? Why would we? I'm the MC. You come to me. This is my big day. But no, they didn't. They were quite happy to stay in their little bubbles. And, uh, I mean, sure, if I were in their situation, it was my friend's wedding. And I did this. You know, I had a friend's wedding not too long ago. Did I um, try and introduce myself to any of the people I didn't know? Of course not. Why would I do that? But also, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet me. I mean, I think that's that's a big point of difference, right? Like, it's, it's, it's contextual. They could have met this guy with 1,300 Instagram followers. It is that they could have learned something. They could have said, we knew Tom back when he was only mildly famous. <sighs> I did meet one guy. So, actually, uh, my mate who was the groom, he came and brought a bunch of his friends to my Raw National Final last year. Um, so uh, he, um, a few of his mates were there who had seen me perform, but I'd never met them before. And then at various points uh, when they were kind of, you know, forced into talking to me, they were like, hey, we went to your, we went to your show last year. That was, uh, that, that was great. We thought you were awesome. And then one guy was like, oh, yeah, after your show, I followed you on Instagram. And then when I saw you here... I, had, I didn't really put together, like, I see all your stories on Instagram and your, your reels and stuff, but I hadn't really put together that you were Lockie's friend. And when I saw you emceeing, I was like, whoa, they got a celebrity to emcee their wedding. And I realized it was, it was you. And I'm like, well, I mean, both of those things are true. They did. They did get a celebrity to emcee their wedding. His name's Tom Whitcomb, and he has 30,000 followers on TikTok. And sure, 12,000 of them are probably Chinese bots. And sure, 18,000 of the remaining ones are probably Russian bots, but that doesn't mean they're easy to get. You got to be putting out a lot of content to catch those pieces of AI. You got to be putting out controversial stuff, you know, sparking debates between people that don't exist. That's what entertainment is these days. Speaking of entertainment these days, you guys see Dave Chappelle got crash tackled the other day. Wasn't that? Wasn't that just interesting? Just so, I mean, first of all, okay, if you haven't seen the footage, go and find the footage. The guy that tries to tackle, Dave Chappelle, who, keep in mind, how old is Dave Chappelle? Dave Chappelle is a 48-year-old man. He's actually much younger than I was hoping he'd be like 50 or 60. 48, not too long. But still, he's 48 years old. This guy, Chappelle shrugged him off like a bitch. It was embarrassing. This, like, young... Fit dude, jumped the barricade, charged at Dave, got low, put his shoulder in, and just fell off him. Like, this was some, like, under-13s rugby, 13Cs tackling style. It was, it was, it was not good. It was very underwhelming. And then, I don't know if you saw, this guy got the shit kicked out of him. Like, there's a picture of him getting in the ambulance, and his arm is at right angles the wrong way as he's going into the ambulance because Chappelle's security team made an example of this dude. And they were like, hey, 
If any of the LGBT community get an idea that we did this to a fit, young, straight guy, what do you think we do to you? <laughs> uh, I don't think that's what that was. I don't, I don't know why I had to bring in the LGBT community into it. And that's probably how they felt about Dave Chappelle's last special. Mm. And that's the thing I've been reading, like all these people being like, oh, this is, a, this is backlash, this is Chris Rock related, this is trans related, it's, a, it's part of the crazy trans community, these social justice warriors. No, apparently not. Now, what I'm going to tell you is something that I've read on Reddit uh, in the comments uh, that is, as far as I can tell, totally unsubstantiated. I haven't seen it anywhere else, but that doesn't mean it's not somebody's truth, which is apparently the guy that tackled him is a rapper who has a Spotify track called Dave Chappelle. And Dave Chappelle, the track opens with walking straight into De Bowl, De Bowl being the Hollywood Bowl where the gig was taking place. And then the rest of the rap song is about him beating the shit out of somebody. And so apparently this guy has been planning to attack Dave Chappelle at the Hollywood Bowl for years now to help, to help drive sales of his new single. I hope it works. I would love that to imagine now with Dave Chappelle goes top of the charts, all of a sudden every musician in the world is going to start putting hit lists out on every celebrity. That's I I love that. I love that. A new up and coming hip hop crew Start talking about attacking the band Fleetwood Mac during their reunion tour. Oh, Stevie Nicks is going to have to have her guard up the whole show. Especially, oh, every, every musician just knows, <laughs> every famous musician just knows that they are moments away from making front page news and a brand new song go platinum if they let this up-and-coming musician beat the shit out of them in front of all their fans. That's going to be the new version of an opening act. That's how you're going to help bring on the next generation of musicians, not by touring with them, but by defending yourself against them in hand-to-hand combat. Well, guys, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's so hard to tell what this podcast even is anymore, but look... I enjoyed it. I needed this today. I'm feeling much better than I did 35 minutes ago. I've let some of those anxieties out by just talking shit for all this time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in yet again. Um, As I say, I know there's not a huge amount of you, but those of you that do, I do really appreciate it. I get messages from you guys relatively frequently. It means a lot. And look, I'm going to turn this ship around. All right, we're going to make this podcast something to be proud of making and listening to. But until then... Thank you for for just paying attention to to what is very, very half-assed. I think we can all agree at this stage. (laughs) Um, Hey, look, I'm going to check in with you guys next year, next next week. Um, But look, hey, if you came along to the shows last week, please know that means the world to me. I very much appreciate that. Your support means so much. Uh, And look, you know, Fuck, let's see how we go. Nine hours. Nine hours I'll be on stage. (sighs) Jesus. I'm dramatically underprepared. Have a fantastic week, everybody, and I'll chat to you next week. I'll see you.